Hello, this is Paul. This is Laura. I'm Dave. And I'm Alton. We are Team Derringer. You are listening to Derringer Discoveries. Where we take you, the listener, on an adventure. A music adventure. Today's episode is Life After Rush. We are, of course, talking about the band Rush. And though I'm not sure how you could be, but if you're unfamiliar with the band Rush, they were one of the biggest, if not the biggest, progressive rock bands in history. Rush was formed in Toronto, Canada in 1968 by guitarist Alex Lifeson. In addition to Lifeson, the band's initial lineup consisted of John Rutsey, who played drums and wrote lyrics, and Jeff Jones, who played bass and sang lead vocals. Jeff Jones was immediately replaced by Getty Lee. That was a good move. And after Rush's first album, Rutsey was replaced by Neil Peart. Another good call. This power trio lineup of guitarist Alex Lifeson, bassist Getty Lee, and drummer and lyricist Neil Peart remain for the rest of Russia's existence. Listeners, stick around for our post-episode bonus. We want to keep our post-episode bonus guest a super-secret surprise. So please stick around and stay tuned. You will not be disappointed. All three members of Rush have been recognized as some of the most talented and proficient players of their respective musical instruments. Much of the band's music is complex and intricately composed with lyrics that integrate poetry, fantasy, and sci-fi, and dystopian society themes. The band Rush has always marched to the beat of their own drum. Pun intended. Yeah, Dave. Throughout the years, the band members were obviously non-conformist. The music press never considered them mainstream, but rather a niche band with a dedicated and loyal fan base. Comfortable forging their own way, the band pushed back against managers, record labels, critics, and even diehard fans. And speaking of diehard fans, we have decided to forego our listener feedback segment and have instead recruited a longtime friend to help us co-host this episode. He's the biggest diehard Rush fan we know. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. A Rush fan that we have known for over 40 years. Mr. John B. Derringer. John is a distant cousin of ours. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be here. I've been waiting for this episode for my chance to talk about one of the things I love the most. John, I guess you and I go a long way back when it comes to Rush. I can remember many years ago in our young adulthood when you and I and our friends Barrett and Wes went to see Rush at the Hampton Coliseum. I sure do remember that show. It was uh, November 3rd, 1984. It was part of the Grace Under Pressure Tour and Y&T was the opening band. If you remember, they had those white lights at the front of the stage, and when they hit that first note of Tom Sawyer, it almost melted my face. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it well. That's why you're a podcaster and not on TV. (laughs) (laughs) I remember there being a sold-out crowd, and we tried to stand on the floor, but it was just a little too rowdy, so we had to move up into some seats. Another bit of trivia is, uh, if you remember, we only paid $12.50 for that show. 
I did not remember that, but I do remember the crowd because we were mashed in so tight down in front of the stage that I could lift my feet up off the floor and be held in place by the crowd. Wow. Good old festival seating, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When we decided to do this episode, we knew that just about everything that could be said about Rush has already been said. So we decided to take a different approach to today's episode. Rush officially stopped touring in 2015 at the conclusion of their R40 tour. Neil Peart stated that he could no longer tour due to tendonitis and Alex Lifeson was suffering from arthritis. During an interview in 2018, Alex Lifeson stated that it was unlikely the band would ever tour or record again. And then just a few years later, on January 7th, 2020, sadly, Rush's longtime drummer and lyricist Neil Peart passed away from cancer. Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee have said that with the passing of Neil, there can be no more Rush. The band is officially ended. Instead of rehashing Rush's glory years, we're going to each pick our favorite Rush song and we'll briefly explore what Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson have been up to in the years since Rush. And then we're going to treat you to something really special. So be sure to stick around for today's post-episode bonus. You won't want to miss it. John, why don't you go first and tell us your favorite Rush song and why? I'm going to use guest privilege here, and I'm going to tell you two. The first one's going to be La Via Sprangiato off of Hemispheres. It's got one of the best guitar solos I think ever recorded on. The second is going to be The Garden, which is the very last song on the very last album. In this one of many possible worlds All for the best Was some bizarre text The message that it conveys about living a good life Resounds well with the band wrapping up their years Time is still the infinite It was also the song that my daughter and I danced to at her wedding Yeah, and you uh, you pulled privilege being a guest. You got to get two, but I am going to make the rest of us stick to one so that we can get through to our special post-episode bonus. So, Laura, you are up next. What is your one choice for Rush? Yeah, Paul, so my favorite Rush song is Subdivisions. And, John, I am dying to know what you think of my pick. Subdivisions is a fantastic song because I think that it spoke to a lot of people, especially the age we were when it came out. How about you, Paul? What's your pick? My pick is a song that has a line, and the line goes through my head regularly. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And because of that one line, this is my favorite song by Rush, and the song is called Free Will. If you choose not What do you think of free will? Free will actually really reflects the way that I felt back then. Just to tell you whether I like it or not, I also had that on my license plate at one point. So you're saying I picked well. I didn't do too badly. Okay. So Paul and John, unbeknownst to the rest of the Derringers, collaborated on that last one, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. No. John, did I collaborate with you on that one? We have not spoken about that song. We haven't spoken since the ELO episode. Well, that episode wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I guess after Free Will, Alton, you're on deck. What is your favorite song by Rush? All right, John, so I want to know if I pick a song from Rush's most commercially successful album, and that album being Moving Pictures, am I going to be considered a faux fan? Absolutely not. All right, well, then my pick is going to be Limelight.
absolutely love the beginning of the song. And that's probably my favorite song and probably one of Russia's most recognizable songs. And that's a great choice. It's got a fantastic opening riff. And I think it, it was a great message for Neil to give to the fans. That's what I take away from that song. Awesome. That's cool. I appreciate that feedback. Hey, Dave, how about you? You want to wrap us up? Well, you know, I haven't gotten to do a recitation yet. And usually y'all throw me a bone, let me do a recitation just to, you know, keep me happy so I don't quit the group again. So are you going to re recite 2112? Um, no, I'm going <laughs> to recite a song right now and feel free to uh, cut it out if you like. But if you do, I'm quitting. <laughs> okay. All right. And please, no laughing. Okay. I get up at seven. Yeah. And I go to work at nine. I got no time for living. Yes, I'm working all the time. It seems to me I could live my life a lot better than I think I am. I guess that's why they call me, they call me the working man. And that is my choice. And Laura asked me why I'm choosing that. Dave, why are you choosing that? Because it's got a great beat and you can dance to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, John, Dave chose Working Man. What do you think about Working Man? Good choice? That was the beginning of it all. That is the song that Donna Halper played on the radio in Cleveland in 1974, and it started everything. All right, well, listeners, you've heard our favorite Rush songs. Do you agree? You could write us. You can drop us that line at feedback at DerringerDiscoveries.com, or you can use the Contact Us form on our website. So, guys, let's talk about what Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson have been doing with their time since Rush's demise. I've heard recently that Getty and Alex are considering collaborating on some new music. They haven't committed to anything, but there's been a little more chatter here lately, more so than in the past couple of years. From what I understand, John, even if they collaborate together, they're not going to bring in a guest drummer and call it Rush. It'll be something completely different, right? That is correct. Rush is done. Well, they may not have been playing music together, but Getty Lee has been keeping busy by becoming somewhat of an author. Oh, really, Dave? Tell us about this. Well, in 2018, Getty released Getty Lee's Big Beautiful Book of Bass. Hold up the cover now, John, so everybody can see it. That's right. We'll, we'll hold it up for the podcast listeners. And it's a book of bass. John Derringer is, in fact, holding up the book right now for our listeners, so he is truly a Rush fan. So what I want to know, John, is did you go out and buy that as a present to yourself or did someone give it to you? I bought for myself. It was Christmas gift to me from me. I hear that Getty has over 250 vintage electric bass guitars in his collection, and a lot of those made it into that book. And in this book, Getty discusses the history of the electric bass starting in the 1950s and supplies personal commentary on some of the biggest producers of bass guitars, Fender, Gibson, Epiphone, Hofner, Rickenbacker, and Ampeg. I hear that Getty Lee also interviewed some pretty well-known bass players in the industry. I'll rattle off a few of them. John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin, Adam Clayton from U2, Robert Trujillo from Metallica, Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones, or formerly from the Rolling Stones, and Les Claypool from Primus, to name a few. Speaking of Primus, Paul, I recently had the pleasure of seeing them in concert in Richmond doing uh, their Tribute to Kings tour in which they did the entire Farewell to Kings album cover to cover. Whoa, I bet that was a pretty heavy lift. From what I have read, the only way Les Claypool would grant an interview for Getty Lee's book was if Getty would show him how to play some of the songs from that album. So how did he do, John? Did he pull it off? He absolutely did. Les Claypool is the man when it comes to bass. And it was fantastic, and they executed it perfectly. John, I've also heard that Getty Lee is getting ready to release an epic-length memoir in the fall of 2022. 
Well, he's definitely staying busy, and I've heard that he's also getting into acting. Yeah, he sure is. I follow him on social media, and he just did an episode of The Murdoch Mysteries, which is a uh, TV show in Canada. And check this out. Getty and Alex have also recently collaborated on a top secret project with Ed Robertson. Yes, Ed Robertson, who heads up the Canadian rock band Bare Naked Ladies. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cock your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. It turns out that the top secret project was a rush pinball machine. A rush pinball machine. Listeners, I will confess I have a guilty pleasure. I love pinball machines. Paul, as much as I enjoy those pinball machines, I can go through $10 of quarters in about two minutes. Yeah, me too. (laughs) You're pretty good then, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this next part, I don't know if it's worth mentioning. What do you mean, is it worth mentioning? Come on. Okay. Well, they've also collaborated with Henderson Brewing. Uh, They first came out with Rush's Canadian Golden Ale, and they just released a new beer called Moving Pitchers. Get it? (laughs) Moving Pitchers. A takeoff of their most famous album, perhaps, or one of their most famous albums, Moving Pictures, right, John? Is that what they're going for? Correct. We have pinball, we have beer, we have books, we have music. They're staying busy. And while they've both been doing some charity work and producing other bands, Alex has actually become part of a brand new band, Envy of None. That's right. Alex was asked to join this new band by longtime friend Andy Curran, who used to play with the 1980s Canadian rock band Coney Hatch. Alex joining Envy of None, it seems that bassist Andy Curran had begun recording with vocalist Maya Wynn, guitarist Alfio Annabellini, and drummers David Quentin Steinberg and Tim Oxford. Andy reached out to Alex to see if he would be interested in supplying some guitar tracks. Alex played on one track, one became two, two became three, and before long, Alex had joined the band. As of this recording, the band has released two singles. One single is called Liar, and the second one is called Look Inside. Their debut album will be released April 8, 2022. Listeners, we highly encourage you to check out Envy of None's new album. That about wraps up our episode, but you'll want to stick around for our post-episode bonus. But before we start our post-episode bonus, we'd like to thank our co-host and Rush superfan, John B. Derringer, for joining us for today's episode. John's been great having you. Thank you. John, is there anyone you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, I'd love to give a shout-out to all the Rush fans out there, and also to the Derringers for having me on. It's been a great experience getting to talk about one of the things I love the most. We've enjoyed having you, John. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate your expertise and knowledge. Johnny B, you've been good. In your sister's room. Listeners, do we ever have a special treat for you? For our post-episode bonus, we are super excited to share with you our Derringer Discoveries interview with Envy of Nuns, Maya Wynn. Hello, listeners of Derringer Discoveries. This is Maya Wynn from Portland, Oregon. I'm a singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. As you will soon hear, I am involved in a number of musical projects and collaborations, including Envy of None. Keep listening. Oh, 
Character Discoveries post-episode bonus. Listeners, Maya Wen is a highly talented composer, singer, songwriter, and actress. She has won multiple songwriting contests and has had her music featured in movies and television shows. And if that weren't enough, she's also the lead singer for Envy of None. In addition to Maya Wynn, Envy of None features, among others, former Coney Hatch bassist Andy Curran and guitarist Alex Lifeson of Rush fame. We had the privilege of interviewing Maya in March of 2022, just prior to Envy of None's April 2022 release of their eponymous album. Maya was born in Colorado in 1996 and started playing music when she was very young. She was experimenting with the piano when she was a toddler and started teaching herself how to play multiple different instruments when she was just in middle school. She wrote her first song at the age of 13 and then spent her high school years in Spokane, Washington, and then in Missoula, Montana, where she honed her musical chops in coffee houses and bars. And that's actually when I really started pursuing music as a career. And I started playing in coffee shops and bars. You know, they'd put X's on my hands (laughs) because I was too young to be in the bar, but I could be in there just to play. It was really fun, and I had no fear at that point. I would just play, and I would make up songs. I did a lot of improv songs, too, and I would just write and write and write, and I've written over 300 songs. I know my time has come. At 19, she moved to Portland, Oregon to explore and fully enmesh herself in the music scene. Through the years, Maya has entered a number of national and international song contests, many of which she has won. Paul, these contests led to multiple opportunities and opened many doors for Maya. In 2020, she won one such contest with her song, Show the World. I won a song contest that was called Music from the Moon, and it was put on by a listen local Huntsville in Huntsville, Alabama, and they're also connected to the Space and Rocket Center. The whole point of the contest was to have somebody write a song about space exploration and the moon and space travel, and that was basically the parameters of the song contest. I loved the idea of it, and there was a cash prize, and the winner also got to record their song at Fame Studios and go and perform their song at the Space and Rocket Center for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So I guess technically it was in 2019. And so I had the ideas sort of floating in my head for a while, and I tried to get some other friends to enter. And, and I had one day I could I could sort of sit down and write a song and record it and enter the song into the contest. And I did and ended up winning, which is <laughs> really exciting. I really wanted to focus on encouraging both young boys and young girls in STEM, especially encouraging young girls in STEM is something I, I'm really excited to participate in. And it was really cool to see two years later, they used my song for a space camp promotional video and they had all these young girls at space camp and the song and and, um, all these kids doing amazing things. And it was really cool to see that come full circle. And yeah, it was a really amazing opportunity. It's a great big world And there's a little girl with a bright and beaming mind She dreams of flying high just like Apollo 69 And breaking through that heart she will show the world She has no fear Soaring far beyond the stratosphere A modern day rocket man I know she can change the world Rocket Listeners, while researching this episode, we learned that Maya has developed a strange addiction. 
an addiction to buying and collecting a wide array of musical instruments, that is. We had to find out for ourselves if this was true, so we asked Maya. Yes, <laughs> it is. I, I got a bazooki recently and a saz, just sort of like a Turkish banjo. I mean, there's so many instruments I want to buy. There's different synth instruments I've been looking at. I really want to get an omnicord, and I have so many instruments. I have too many. I think I'm at like 87 instruments, which is so bad. It's such a problem, but that's counting individual drums, to be fair, but it's still, it's a lot. <laughs> Sounds like an addiction to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love weird instruments. And she even played one of these strange instruments when she won the grand prize for the 2017 Claim to Fame International Cover Song Contest. Hi, everybody. My name is Maya Wynn, and I'm the grand prize winner of Claim to Fame's Cover Song Contest for my cover of Radiohead's Creep. I'm super excited, and I can't believe that I won. I got a ton of really cool stuff, including personal training with Pisha McPhee and Michael Orland, and mentoring with Andy Curran and Cliff Dumas. I also won a trip to LA and $5,000. I'm using that money towards a West Coast tour, and I'm also using the money towards gear to record my next album. I'm so grateful and thankful for this opportunity. Listeners, you just heard Maya say part of her winnings included a mentorship with Andy Curran. I'll bet this was the genesis moment for Envy of None. Probably so. And speaking of the Claim to Fame contest, I watched the video that she submitted for her entry. It was a cover version of Radiohead's Creep. That song has been covered by a lot of people. Yeah, but I bet no one but Maya Wynn has played Creep using an electric ukulele made from a motor oil can. That is way too cool. While touring and playing her music, Maya has opened for and collaborated with a number of noteworthy artists. Yes, she's even opened for Charlottesville's very own Dave Matthews. Shout out to Dave. Listeners, you may remember that Charlottesville is the home of Derringer Discoveries. Listeners, Maya has also opened for a band that I really love. The Sweet Remains. The Sweet Remains were really amazing. I I opened for them at a venue called The Old Church in Portland, which is my favorite venue. It has the best acoustics. They were even able to do one song without any amplification because that space just picks it up and surrounds you so well. And they're just the nicest guys. Oh, when you're gone, night is cold as it is long. And then at, for Dave Matthews, I got to open for him at the Founders Awards at Mopop in Seattle. Dave Matthews was incredible. It was so fun to get to see him do his sound check and then do his performance. And I could tell he was kind of nervous during the actual performance. And he still sounded amazing, but it was actually really reassuring for me to see somebody that talented still get a little bit nervous and how he was able to sort of work through that. And he still sounded absolutely amazing. And it was such an incredible night to, to just watch and, and learn and, and see all of these incredible incredible musicians. I love getting to open for people. We opened for a bunch of amazing artists that night. We were honoring Brandy Carlisle, so we had to do a Brandy Carlisle cover in front of Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> We're just so intimidating. All of these lines across my face tell you the story It was really fun. She was really sweet. And we did one of Dreadlight's songs, and then we did one of my songs, and um, we all played together for that. And it's a really amazing experience. Listeners, during that segment, you heard Maya mention playing with a band called Dreadlight. Paul Dreadlight is a hard rock duo that really knows how to bring it. So I've been collaborating with Dreadlight for a long time now. Actually, it's funny because I met them through a contest. 
They are an amazing hard rock duo. We did Sound Off, which is a battle of the bands in Seattle at the Museum of Pop Culture. And we became friends and we realized we both lived near Portland and we get along really well. Maya and Dreadlight have done three rather interesting covers to date. We've had a lot of fun doing cover songs and these three covers we, we did together were just a blast. They do a really, really, really kicking cover of Billie Eilish's My Strange Addiction. Yeah, Paul, I actually prefer their version of the song. Listeners, if you're a fan of this song, you have to check out the version by Maya Wynn and Dreadlight. Don't ask questions you don't want to know. Learn my lesson way too long ago. To be talking to you, Belladonna. Should be taking a break, not an Oxford comma. Take what I want when I want to. And I want you Bad, bad news One of us is gonna lose I'm the powder, you're the fuse Just add some friction You are my strange addiction You They've also covered some songs by the Hex Girls. The Hex Girls? Alton, I'm not really familiar with that band. Yeah, that's because they're not a real band, Paul. They're a fictional goth rock band from the newer Scooby-Doo television series and films. We went to a Comic-Con together, and we loved doing cosplays and dressing up as different characters, and Hex Girls is from Scooby-Doo. It just felt like the perfect match for us to do some Hex Girls covers. So we went all out and dressed up as the characters and made our own sort of interpretation of those songs as those characters. And it was just a blast. We always have so much fun recording together, and I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more collaborations in the future. And I love them. They're the best. <laughs> well, okay, let's check out a couple of snippets of the Hex Girls. Okay, here's Trap of Love. I like Trap of Love. I, I wish the Hex Girls were real, because I'm, I'm digging what I'm hearing. Broken heart, bleeding rage. Do you have anything else we can dispense upon our listeners? I sure do, Paul. Let's check out this one. It's appropriately called Hex Girl. That one definitely rocks. I'm a hex girl, and I'm going to put a hex on you. Maya, I really love the way you can go between the soft singer-songwriter to the hard-hitting heavy rocker. Thank you. I, I love trying out new genres, and I never want to put myself into a box musically, and I always want to just keep experimenting and, and trying new things, and there's so many different kinds of music to enjoy and to have fun making, so I really love the process of it. Maya has even had one of her songs featured in the closing credits for the motion picture called The Ballad of Lefty Brown. The Ballad of Lefty Brown was a song I wrote on the film set for the film, The Ballad of Lefty Brown. We were filming in Montana. I was on the sound team, so I was a utility, basically a PA on that film set. And Bill Pullman was the lead actor in that film, and it's a, a Western. And his character is sort of avenging his friend's death. And there was one scene where we didn't have to record audio, and I brought out my guitar and the sun was setting, and we had been filming for a couple weeks at that point. And I wrote that song basically based on the story of, of Lefty and later on we were recording with Bill Pullman and he was so sweet. He and his wife made us chili and we spent a day just hanging out at their ranch and I played the song for him and he really loved it and he encouraged the director to come listen to the song and the producers and I played it at the rap party and then a few months later they emailed me out of the blue and were like, hey, can we use your song in the end credits? And I only had two days to record it. <laughs> and so we just super rushed, recorded it and mixed it and got it out there and, and they used it as the end credit song, which is really cool. Oh, tell me, dear God, is there justice for a 
In her song, Fearless Girl, Maya collaborated with the Portland Cello Project. In the song, she expresses the fear that people feel, uh, especially women, living in today's world. It was a song that was very personal for Maya. For the music video, she partnered with MMIW, which stands for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA, to stop violence against Native women. And check this out, 100% of all streaming and digital sales go to support this worthy cause. Yeah, so Fearless Girl was a song very near and dear to my heart. I wanted to write a song that really spoke to the overall fear that I have. I think I, I reached a point where I was so frustrated because I wanted to go, I wanted to go exercise, I wanted to go run, and the schedule that I was on, it was always night, and I would get too afraid to go running by myself at night. I'm so tired a feeling like I can't go out alone. I just kept getting so frustrated because I was so felt so trapped by this fear of just life. In this world I live in, I'm not safe in my And and what it's like sometimes to be a woman in the world <laughs> to feel that fear and how frustrating that can be and I had a conversation with my best friend from middle school I saw her for the first time in years and we had a really emotional conversation about things that we had gone through as kids but never talked to each other about until then and she had said something along the lines of I miss the fearless girls that we used to be you know but I'm not gonna let go of the fearless girl I used to and I had the chance to tour with Portland Cello Project and hearing them play on that song and performing that live with them was just magical. And then for the music video, I wanted to do something good with it. And so we partnered with MMIW USA, which is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA, and just to raise awareness for the amount of Native women that go missing or are murdered. They have a much, much higher percentage of going missing in their lifetime. And it's just something I wanted to help raise awareness and raise, raise money for. So, Paul, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of the term fan fiction? Well, okay, I'm going to take a stab at this, Alton. Isn't that when an amateur author writes a story based on an established author's characters or storyline? Yep, you got it. It's a great way to build excitement around the original intellectual property. So it might be, a, just take an example here. If I wrote a story about Luke Skywalker... That's right, the Luke Skywalker from Star Wars, or maybe even better yet, James T. Kirk from Star Trek. But I make a new story out of it. Is that the idea? Exactly. You got it. So what do you suppose they call it if someone writes songs based on an author's character or maybe a storyline from a book? Okay, you've stumped me out, and I'm not really sure. I'm going to just guess fan composition or maybe fan-created music? Don't know, but that works for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I thought there was a correct answer. All right. <laughs> we can go with your answer. <laughs> All right. I guess the reason we're having this discussion is so that we can talk about Maya Wynn's songs based on the book The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. You got it, Paul. Listeners, if you're not familiar with The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, it's the prequel to the Hunger Games trilogy. These books were popular with my kids, and I have to tell you, they were very popular with me, too. I actually read at least the first two. It was a trilogy, Paul. How could you only read two books? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read the books, but I can tell you a whole generation of people did. And Maya has written some fantastic songs about the lead female character, Lucy Gray Baird, or just Lucy Gray, as her friends like to call her, and the poems found in the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That is very true, and Maya has developed a large group of fans that are super excited about the upcoming movie, all because of the music she has written and the videos she has released. Well, okay, we've talked it up, Alton. Let's share some of our favorite Maya Wynn songs adapted from the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. You got it, Paul. Here's a snippet of Pure as the Driven Snow. You're pure as the driven snow. 
So for all of those songs that I did for the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the newest book by Susan Collins, a prequel to The Hunger Games, I did as sort of fan arrangements of those songs because originally there were just lyrics in the book, you know, they didn't have any music to go along with them. So as I was reading, I kept hearing different musical interpretations of them. And so I decided to record them and put them out on, on YouTube and make videos, again, sort of cosplaying as the character in the book, Lucy Gray. That fandom is so big, it's really amazing to get the chance to connect with so many people through those books and through these videos. Listeners, just now you heard Maya mention that she had produced and released videos for these songs. However, Lionsgate, the motion picture group, they purchased the rights for the film adaptation of this novel. And unfortunately, when a film studio arrives on the scene, so do their lawyers. And we know what everyone thinks about lawyers. They love them, right? (laughs) No, hold on. (laughs) That's not exactly what I was going to say. Listeners, unfortunately, not long before we interviewed Maya, Lionsgate's lawyers reached out to her with some rather threatening letters and emails. I think you mean strong-armed. Well, that's one way of saying it. Though the topic was still a little raw, Maya was willing to share with us what happened. It's really a very interesting situation. So Lionsgate is such a huge company. They have law firms representing them in every part of their copyrighted works, right? So as soon as they bought the rights to the book, their law firm took action and they emailed me these long, scary email legal letters. First, it just started with a few of the songs, and then it kept growing, and then it grew to even TikTok videos or social media posts and anything that even mentioned the name, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Just really mean. I was really devastated about it for a while because it was was a lot of work and it was a lot of energy and and it was something I was really proud of and it was really sad to have it just taken away in an instant and once it sort of reached a point where I didn't have any other choice, they were threatening to make a bunch of uh, copyright claims on my channel which could get it taken down and so I didn't really have a choice and so I took everything down and then I, you know, posted about what happened. But I think, you know, it's just one of those situations where it's such a big corporation. It was a little silly that they were only going after me and not everybody else that was doing the same thing. It felt like they were very much just targeting me for whatever reason. But maybe, maybe in the end, it'll be a good thing. I have hope. (laughs) I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. And you know what's interesting? An entire album called The Unofficial Bridgerton Musical inspired by the Netflix show Bridgerton, recently won the 2022 Grammy Award for the Best Musical Theater Album. You gotta be kidding me. What the heck? And Lionsgate is strong-arming Maya? I think someone over at Lionsgate, or maybe their law firm, needs to get their heads, let's just say, back into the sunshine. They really should just let Maya compose the entire soundtrack. Yes, and better yet... Let's let her play the role of Lucy Gray in the movie, too. I could go for that. And you know what's really cool? Maya has released a song and a video called Lucy Gray. Now get this. It was based on the 1799 poem of the same name by the poet William Wordsworth. Ah, 1799. That's an important year because I don't need to look it up. That's definitely in the public domain. Bingo. And I think she may have been able to poke the lion with that one. Yeah, I like that. Poke the lion. You're probably right, Alton. Well, we've teased our listeners enough. Let's play a snippet of Maya's composition of Lucy Gray. Oft I'd heard of Lucy Gray And when I crossed the world I chanced to see at break of day The solitary child No mate, no comrade Lucy knew she dwelt where none abide The sweetest thing to ever roam Upon the mountainside Listeners, if you would like to support Maya like we've done and all the time and effort that she's put into these songs and videos, you can show your support by digitally signing an online petition to have Maya's videos restored to YouTube. You can find a link to this petition in the show notes for this episode. We have really been enjoying the singles that Maya's band, Envy of None, has released. Liar, Look Inside, and Never Said I Love You. Paul, I think all three of these songs are fantastic. Here's a snippet of Never Said I Love You.
From what I understand, Maya and Andy Curran had been working on music together for many years before Alex Lifeson joined the band. I had a, a collaboration that I did with my, my co-producer, Troy, called I Got Nothing. And Andy really liked that song. It was more industrial and, and a little bit heavier. And he was like, you should do more of that. And he started talking about some music that he was working on that had a similar vein. So I offered to add vocals, you know, if they ever needed a vocalist. And he took me up on the offer. And we just started working on these songs. And I had no idea where the project was going at that point. It was just sort of a fun side project thing. And we kind of worked really slowly at first, just sort of when we had time and sent files back and forth and then we had two songs done when he called me and told me that he showed it to his friend Alex and that Alex wanted to add some guitars to it and I had no context to know that <laughs> that he was talking about Alex Lifeson from Rush and once he told me that I think my mind was just completely blown and <laughs> I was in shock. Alex is amazing. Remember that Maya has been a singer-songwriter on her own for quite a while. We asked her what it was like working with Andy Curran and how they developed songs together. I wrote the lyrics for most of these songs on the record based around the song name. You know, it's a collaboration and it's a virtual collaboration, so... Andy would usually send me bed tracks for these songs and then I would write the lyrics and the vocal melodies based on either the name of the bed track or sometimes he would have like a couple words. Liar was the only exception where he had sort of written most of it vocally and I changed the verses but I kept everything else so the chorus was the same and I think parts of the bridge were the same but I rewrote the verses to to be something that I could connect with more and I actually took inspiration from Jerry Duty for that song <laughs> which is pretty funny. Listeners, you heard Maya talking about changing the lyrics to Liar based on Jury Duty. Yeah, so for Liar, I was actually struggling a bit with that one because I couldn't relate to it. I don't normally write breakup songs or relationship songs. I was having trouble kind of making it my own. And then I went to Jury Duty and the woman on trial, her energy was so piercing and cold. And then they started to list off this long list of terrible things she was accused of. And she looked me dead in the eye with just this malice and pure vacancy. And then of course, pled not guilty. And my <laughs> everything inside me was like, okay, that woman is lying. What a cool song. Paul, that really feels like quite a departure from the music Alex released with Rush over the band's 40-year career. I bet Alex is enjoying doing something a little bit different. Probably so. And speaking of different, here's a cut of Look Inside. Look Inside is all about introspection and trying to sort of tackle your own demons. We all have the darker sides of ourselves that we're always trying to work on and trying to work through to be a better person. And it's a continuous battle, it's a continuous thing. You can't just fix it and then be done with it, you know? When you're trying to be a better person, it's something you have to work on every single day. As you can tell, Maya has been extremely busy writing music and creating videos for song contests, as well as her own original compositions and producing music for movies and television shows. And this doesn't even include the amount of effort she put into creating those fan composition songs and videos for the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. During the interview, we found out some additional good news. Maya is working on a new album of original music. As you can tell, based on the stories behind most of these songs, I've done a lot of songs for specific projects, for different movies, for television shows, for this book, for contests and everything. And I haven't really had the chance to release just my music and songs that are 100% me. I think Fearless Girl was sort of the first time that I did that. And so I'm very excited to finally release my record and I'm currently in the process of recording it. 
I have a song called Out of the Dark that I'm really excited for that really touches on, on mental health and um, it really runs the gamut from personal songs to just really fun, upbeat songs and a whole range of genres and I feel like it's a, a really good representation of me. I'm really excited to see how it all turns out. So Maya, do you have a working title and a planned release date? I don't have an album title yet. I've been floating around the idea of Out of the Dark, which is the name of that song as well. But I'm still floating around other ideas. It might be something else. Earlier, I wanted to call it The Nature of Dreams, and I've had a lot of ideas for it. I think once I have all the songs finished, I feel like the name will present itself. Listeners, you've heard it here. Be sure to watch for Maya's upcoming album scheduled for a September 2022 release. Maya wanted to give a shout out to some of the people who have helped her during her career and with life in general. Today, I'd like to give a shout out to Heidi DuBose and Troy Dunn, who are my amazing team members and have helped me get to where I am today. Listeners of Derringer Discoveries, thank you for letting me share my music with you. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, everywhere online under Maya Wynn. That's M-A-I-A-H-W-Y-N-N-E. Maya joined us via Zoom from a small town in Montana where she was on site for a movie that was in production. She wrestled with a difficult internet connection, yet she was willing to spend well over an hour with us. So Maya, thanks so much for sharing your time and talent with us and our listeners. We're really looking forward to hearing what you do next. Listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can reach us via our website at www.derringerdiscoveries.com. And you've been listening to Derringer Discoveries. All I have is a chance to say goodbye. John, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to before we bring your part to an end? That was cold. Wow. That's cold. Jeez, I loved it. Let me try that again. That is cold. And that's a big tune out factor. We're our, our biggest expert on Rush, and we're going to cut his mic off. Any last words? Well, John, who has a higher voice, Getty Lee or my one? Uh, depends. If you go back uh, to uh, hemispheres, I'm going to say Getty Lee. I love that you edit. <laughs> yeah, oh yes. Oh, you, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> For every 30 minute episode, it's 20 to 30 hours of editing. It's right. kind of, yeah, and we both have day job. <laughs> it's so appreciated. I mean, you do those podcasts where there's no editing and then you listen to it back and it's just, it's two hours and there's so much awkward silence and it's great. I love that you edit. Thank oh, you, absolutely. We, we have to, <laughs> for our, our sake. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. And it sounds, and you do such a great job with it. It's a great podcast.